feel like I'm going to burp. Nope. Hey, my dudes, and welcome to My Streaming Bubble, the podcast where I talk about the shows that I love with the people I tolerate. I'm your host, Jen, and today Laura's back, and I think you all know what that means. So roll up that purple palm tree delight and join us as we, much like the characters in the show, head back to the Upside Down to finish our chat on Season 4 of Stranger Things. Oh, and Chrissy, this is for you. Ah, cry face. Okay. <laughs> Hi, Laura. Welcome back. Hi. I just realized we should have had pizza while we were doing this, you know, in honor of Argyle. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> in Argyle. Uh, so our quick spoiler warning slash whatever for the season, for season four is, I mean, I think by now everyone that has that watches Stranger, Stranger Things has seen all of season four. Uh, but today we will be focusing, try to focus on the last two episodes, but squelchy spoilers for the series. So, Laura, general thoughts on part two. Oh, and hi and welcome. <laughs> yeah, we, we said hi. I think we said okay. hi. Okay, sure. <laughs> um, general thoughts. Well... I absolutely loved the last two episodes like they were like edge of your seat kind of episodes and I haven't I haven't experienced that with a TV show in in a while like I realized how invested I was in some of these characters because of how things went Mm -hmm. um also for so many reasons they did such a great job with the soundtrack and the subtitles yes they so, made the episodes that much better. Absolutely. I, I I think we talked a little bit about it during our uh, part one recording of just the amazing subtitle work. But since then, there's been uh, an article on Vulture where they interviewed two members of the subtitle team. And it's like my favorite article ever. <laughs> I don't read a <laughs> lot of articles, but... <laughs> It's it's so great, and I just love that the care and everything that they that the team uh, put into it. Uh, the the guy I can't remember what his name, but he didn't give his full name or anything. But he's like he's he's so cute. He like had some quote about how he's irre- irredeemably nerdy or something. But he's a D and Der as well. He's a, a word nerd, and so he's you know he keeps track of all these cool and interesting words and phrases and incorporated them into this season so and it also goes on to talk about how important sound is in stranger things the ambient sounds the music and how people in the deaf and hard of hearing community they will miss out on that and so they really wanted to make sure they they captured all of that and they did such a good fucking job they deserve all the awards they really did like even if you were to watch the show without sound just with the subtitles i think you really get that sense of immersion because of how well they describe things like they really put a lot of thought and care into the words that they chose and you know maybe some people learn new vocabulary words but generally speaking you had a really good sense of what was was going on just from reading those like you can imagine what squelching feels like, you know? <laughs> yes. Even if you don't know what it sounds like, you would kind of know what that feels like. 
like one of those words that yeah like you know the thing like you can't hear pictures or whatever Mm -hmm. I don't know (laughs) (laughs) can you feel subtitles I feel like you can feel subtitles I I felt like I felt these subtitles because it was so well done and and descriptive and I actually I had like kind of a quick passing thought in the middle of like being really tense and and not being able to move for almost four hours during part two but I really couldn't I kind of thought for a second I was like man like the deaf and hard of hearing folks must be loving this (laughs) I hope so I hope they enjoyed it as much as we did because you're right I mean I got to really enjoy how they manipulated you know like the perfect songs for the moment but also kind of wove them into their instrumental theme where things were getting tense or mm-hmm. or building up to you know like a climactic moment all that kind of stuff because they did those they still had like that more like cliche also 80s kind of vibe with those kind of of instrumental sounds but then they wove in those those like spot on lyrical tracks for the moment mm-hmm. into that and really made it work like whoever they're they're uh DJ mixer whatever is awesome job like I honestly thought after something like Glee I couldn't enjoy Journey anymore and then the 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 Journey song at the end of episode eight um separate ways yeah uh no it's yeah that is called separate ways isn't it um but like that was amazing it was perfect for that because I felt like it kind of tied into the whole theme that they were hinting at earlier in like Eleven's memories, where, you know, in that pivotal moment when like Vecna one Henry revealed himself for who he is, um, she tried her angry memories and everything and they weren't enough, but then she had, you know, some disjointed albeit, but loving memories and she used those and I mean look what she did so Mm -hmm. it was just it was perfect Mm -hmm. yeah this show and I think we talked about during part one just does a really great job with the music it's music choices and then you know even like almost every season has like a song that people either re have just found for the first time and fall in love with it or whatever so yeah hats off to the sound and music coordinators and the subtitle teams you guys rock yep (laughs) love it uh yeah my general thoughts for part two was that it was fucking awesome I absolutely loved it. Uh, watched it with the husband one day, one random like Saturday afternoon. We didn't have the kids, so I was like, "We're we're not doing anything, but we're watching, but watch Stranger Things." And so I'm sitting there, and I'm like so super tense. I'm like sitting on the couch. I got my like, <laughs> I got my <laughs> knees pulled up because I'm in my I'm stressed out <laughs> sitting <sighs> position, and he's just like poking me like in the leg and they're not moving and he's like he's like you're like a medium well you, he's like <laughs> i was just so fucking tense and i was just like yeah it's so funny i so i was like super tense super stressed out overly emotional i almost cried like so many times during uh the eighth episode papa 
I may yeah. have cried a couple. No, I, I think I managed to hold it together most of episode eight and then not so much during episode nine, the piggyback. It was, it was so good. And yeah, I, I mean, I knew how invested I was in most of these characters. And so I was prepared to be stressed out and tense and unable to move or breathe for the majority of that afternoon. But you know me, I love that shit. Well, I stayed up till two in the morning watching it because like, <laughs> I'm not waiting. <laughs> I, I actually waited for Tim. I did not watch ahead. And so I didn't have to worry about taking notes about when to take breaks. But I, I was good this time. I was nice. And I waited because it's really no fun to watch certain types of shows ahead. Yeah. Again, yeah, he asks or I, I do like a weird thing and maybe kind of look at him a lot more during a <laughs> like a tense part or a suspenseful part. So then he's almost prepared for that. And that kind of takes it out takes you out yeah. of the moment so well, I mean to clarify I, I watched it with my husband but yeah. like you know <laughs> uh it was really funny because we just wrapped up episode eight and it was like well after you know 11 at this point and episode nine was about to start and I, I paused it and I'm like okay look at your watch tell me what time it is I'm like now look at how long this episode is are you sure you want to do this because if we turn this on I'm not quitting <laughs> <laughs> And we did it. And it was, and again, that's a testament to the story that was being told this season. Like, I didn't want to stop. I was tired. Mm -hmm. So tired. But I didn't want to stop. And it kept me awake the whole time. Like, I wasn't ever in danger of falling asleep during the show. I wasn't playing on my phone, which is unheard of. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I really was immersed in this. And it was just great from that aspect. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's understandable. This, I love this show. I was thinking about it earlier and it's like, I love this show. It could, um, it can almost do nothing wrong. <laughs> I say that oh, now. Almost. I know this is, I, I feel like I'm going to jinx it. I don't want a, a shit last season, but. Game of Thrones. Uh, exactly. But I feel like I could forgive almost anything in this show. Any minor continuities or anything like that. I, I just, I love it so much for all its amazingness know. and it's in whatever imperfections it may have. I don't see it. <laughs> it's minor continuity gripes that people have said actually have been really easily explainable. So I'm not really mm -hmm. sure if they're continuity issues or if they're just, you know, people wanting everything spelled out for them a bit more, but I don't feel like you need that. Yeah. Like, there's an art to implication and I, I wish that, you know, we as a society hadn't moved away from that so much. And like, that was the biggest criticism though that I, I saw for the end of season four. There's so many things that haven't been wrapped up yet. And it's like, yeah, of course they haven't been wrapped up yet. It, the story's not over. Yeah. We're, we're just, we're reaching the next chapter in the book. Exactly. To, and it's so to like- speak. Like, chill out a little bit. Well, and even when season four aired and was being promoted and everything, it was advertised as every beginning has, or no, every end has a beginning. Yeah. So that tells you this is the beginning of the end. Yeah, and I'm glad it didn't all wrap up. Like, it didn't yeah. leave off on a cliffhanger where you were like, 
I don't know if that character is alive or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if they had done that, I could understand people being a little more upset because they'll be like, when am I ever going to find out? But you're right, you know, in the con- the construct of the story itself, yeah, they left off on a cliffhanger. They're supposed to. Yeah. We have season five. Yeah. It's a confirmed you know. thing, you know. Yeah, we so we know it's coming. So, oh, yeah, I've seen other various types of criticism, and I think there are some good points here and there, and then I think people are just they're going to hurt themselves. They are reaching so hard, but yeah. And I, I definitely want to talk about some of those other criticisms, but I also think people need to manage their expectations a little bit. I, I agree. You know what I've noticed across the four seasons. I mean, 11 is 11. She's going to be a main focal point of the show for obvious reasons, but in terms of the other kids, I feel like they've all kind of rotated in and out of the spotlight, whether it's for an entire season or for a portion of a season. And, you know, one of the complaints that we read was um, about Lucas not really having that. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't I don't quite feel that way about it. Like, could he get could he get more attention? Could Erica also get more attention? Absolutely. Though I would argue that Erica is actually meant to be a secondary character of the group, like a newer member. But now that she's more involved with them and what they're doing, maybe we'll see more of her kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But like, I thought in season four, you know, we got we got more exposure to Lucas and his perspective on things. And it was I thought it was nice that in the backdrop of this very unusual supernatural crazy ass situation that this town is in that you know we're still reminded that these are teenagers growing up and dealing with the normal complexities that come along with that Mm -hmm. and of all the characters Lucas was the one that you know was concerned with being popular and changing how he's seen um and you know that led that that led him to a, a crossroads as to what was the right thing to do for him, and ultimately he chose his friends and mm-hmm. and everything that came with that. But he was very conflicted for a while, mm-hmm. and even though that isn't a supernatural or grand scale kind of conflict, I thought it was an important one to portray. I absolutely agree. I think, especially for this season, Lucas had the most growth as the character that we saw because kind of like you said it's almost like each season each little pairing or grouping kind of takes center stage whether for the full season or for several episodes whatever but I felt like Lucas had the most growth that was natural and made sense Mm -hmm. and like you said and not in that soup like in a real world kind of way and he got to the point of choosing his lifelong best friends over vanity reasons and shit, uh, just a lot faster <laughs> than your average teenager not living in Hawkins, haunted as Hawkins, Indiana. Yeah, I mean, you got to admit the circumstances kind of hastened his choice, mm-hmm. but that may have also made it harder to make. Yeah. You know, and okay, so it's not a big super powered plot line, but I beg to differ. Like, I don't know. Um, I think 
Lucas has been the most loyal throughout this whole experience. Like you could argue that Will has too, but Will's kind of stuck, you know, mm-hmm. in two years ago when he was mm-hmm. first taken into the upside down. So it's it seems for a different reason. But Lucas has always been on the outside, you know, going through the the normal day to day and everything mm-hmm. without that experience. And he's always been there for his friends, even when they weren't even when they weren't in agreement, even when they were competing over Max, you know, mm-hmm. um, he's still always been there for them. He's always found a way to do that. And I think he was like really tested this season and he, he still came through. Mm-hmm. And, you know, his his loyalty to Max through all this too, when she's doing everything possible to push him away. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then she, she goes through that, awful disfiguring experience at the end there um he doesn't look at her or treat her or feel about her any differently than he did before mm-hmm. and that's just awesome yeah yeah i love lucas i think he oh my god i he made he's the one that him and a couple other characters were the ones that actually made me like full-on sob yep caleb mclaughlin's performance in the season was fucking amazing break my heart stomp on it but at the same time i just want to hug you and hold you and be like it's gonna be okay he did so good so proud of him (laughs) yeah me too and that's the thing i don't feel like he's the flattest character in the show but i don't either the criticisms that i read suggested that and unfortunately they suggested that in a racial context Mm -hmm. and while I understand the criticisms generally of, of TV and other media relegating people of color and other minority groups to the background, <laughs> I don't think that's the case here. But, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't it, I don't think that's the case here either. From my perspective, I thought this show has done a really great job of incorporating people of color as various characters throughout the seasons run whether they were just kind of one off and you know like in in season one their science teacher's girlfriend was an asian woman uh we have like the shrink in this season the school counselor asian woman the lady at the at the end of piggyback when the teens go to donate to like the high you know where the high school has become like the shelter yeah. The lady that they check in with is a black woman. And then it's like there's it's just multicolored all around. You know, yeah. it's it's a small town. It's a small Midwest town in the 80s. Sure. But they still incorporated plenty of people of color in the backdrop as town members. And even though I'm sure actually in the 80s, a small town like although Hawkins seems kind of big, I don't think it's not as small as as I originally thought. It's a good size, like, city almost. I'm going to call Village it Indianapolis team. Junior. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, they're they're present. They're everywhere. So I think that the show has done the best it, it has to be aware of that and to incorporate all these different characters from all these different backgrounds in together. I think the flattest character is Mike. Me too. But back to the people of color thing again, you're right. They are all throughout the background. 
and you know it's it's a, a multitude of, of skin tones races genders whatever mm-hmm. ages the whole thing so you know and that's the thing i i thought that the show did this really well where like they weren't trying to be too i guess woke about it sure because they weren't like breaking the fourth wall a little bit and having that called out in some way shape or form mm-hmm. like no this is just our normal day-to-day life mm-hmm. there's just happens to be this supernatural problem going on at the same time and like even in the group of friends there's never been a plot line of like lucas's perspective because he's black or like dustin's perspective because he's disabled he makes jokes about himself all the time dustin does and i love that Mm -hmm. but like but like those are just part of who those characters are it's Mm -hmm. it's not a driving force of the show just like it isn't a driving force of the show that you know uh the other kids are white um like that's not a plot line either and that's not a guarantee that they're the best characters or anything either because mike's the worst Mm -hmm. (laughs) he so is but also i think it's very reflective of a of a midwestern town yeah so you know it it seems it seems like it didn't try to go overboard with it either so like you know realistic yeah so I thought it was a really good like cross section of representation. You got your background characters, you got your characters that bad things have happened to, you got your characters that good things have happened to, and you you know, in it doesn't matter uh, as far as their like demographic information goes. Mm-hmm. It's Demo- it feels like random chance. Yeah, it it really kind of does. So I thought that that was definitely a point where I thought that person was reaching up. To kind of double back real quick to Erica, because we first met her in season two, and even that, and there she was just a side character. Even season three, she had more of a role because she helped infiltrate the underground Russian lab under the uh, high school, or no, under the mall and everything. Yeah. And then that's also when Dustin calls her out on being a nerd because she's a an, a math genius apparently because she's like, what is among just other things? Yeah, Lady and, Applejack. And well, and that's the thing. So at the end of season three, you know, they've they've the buyers have packed up and there's, you know, the donate pile and the toss piles and everything. And they take the box of like D&D stuff and give it to Erica, Lucas and Dustin do. And she opens the box and she smiles. So she fully embraces nerd life and nerd culture. I also love in season three when Dustin's calling her out on being a nerd and how he uses the My Little Pony as uh, to prove that she's a nerd and how, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then she's like, how do you know about that? And he's like, well, as we've established, I'm a nerd. So (laughs) he proudly outs himself as like a brony. No, I'm just kidding. But (laughs) that he's fully aware. but (laughs) But that he's fully aware of like the characters and the plots because they use nerd tropes magic supernatural fucking talking horses for god's sake right <laughs> right and so in exactly season, so in this season she fully embraces that you know yeah lady applejack and she <laughs> she's I, I love her to pieces i wanted to know if she was named after the cereal applejacks was that a thing in the 80s i think so but hers was more my little pony 
That's fair. Uh, but I still thought of the cereal first. I th- I thought of the cereal first until I rewatched season three. And I was like, duh, that's where it came from, obviously. <laughs> right? <laughs> but, okay, you make an excellent point. Like, she was younger and probably not, like, uh, emotionally or ethically prepared for the madness of the Upside Down. Though you can argue that the older kids aren't either. But nonetheless... <laughs> Or the um, adults. <laughs> she's gotten more and more involved. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yes, the core aspects of her character that we were introduced to are still very much present. But we've seen more and more depth from her, too, which makes me feel like she's become a member of that group, whether mm-hmm. Lucas likes it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she's this badass, sassy person. And that's awesome. And I love her character to bits. And Lucas is not the badass, sassy person. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if that's part of their criticism because Lucas is more like the rock, you know? Mm. He's like emotionally dependable. He's there for everyone when they need him, even when he's not happy about it. Like that's a character trait too. And I think it deserves as much praise and recognition as the badass that is Erica Mm -hmm. because... I mean, she's awesome. <laughs> well, but and, I love Lucas. Well, and she's, you know, her and Eric, or, uh, her and Lucas have that moment when in in the piggyback when they're getting ready to re-enter the upside down and they're making their little weapons and everything. And he's like, "Well, you're always at every game," and she tries to play it off like, "Well, mom and dad make me," and then yeah. acknowledges that she wasn't there for the big important one, but. So they have like this really kind of sweet brother sister moment that also feels very real. I saw a really funny tweet the other day about how you can tell when an author does and doesn't have siblings by the way they write them. So an author that doesn't have siblings will maybe write like, hey, bro, it's your sis. How you doing or something? (laughs) And and a person, an author with siblings would be like, hey, loser, mom called. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I I remember very clearly writing a note to my brother. And this wasn't even when we were kids. And I was like, hey, shithead. <laughs> exactly. So I feel like the re- the way that Erica and Lucas's relationship has been written and portrayed is very is a very good portrayal of brother and sister. I they're thought on, so, too. They're on the outside, they, they bicker. He's annoyed. Like, what are you doing here? And this and that. But they... And she's just like, I'm smarter than you. <laughs> yeah. But then, you know, deep down, they're there for each other. And... When did Erica become a weapons expert where she's (laughs) showing him how to properly like tie the knife onto the spear? And then that's when she starts giving him shit. She read the D&D manuals very thoroughly. She probably did because she studied the diagrams. (laughs) (laughs) She probably, you're probably absolutely fucking right. That's, (laughs) oh, yeah. It sounds like something she would do. And the way she argued with Eddie about like, you know, how this was going to go down in the beginning when he was like, you can't play. <laughs> yes. Like, like, yeah, she read, she read the manuals. She yep. did. <laughs> you know, she did. And she probably has some photographic memory too, and just remembers all that shit. So something like that. I don't know. Something like that. But man, I love her character. I thought she had some amazing scenes. I loved when she when she was finally able when the one bully guy finally got off her, you know, Jason's 
curly haired lackey, like his yeah. evil Dustin. <laughs> oh my God. I didn't think of it like that. I kind of thought I was like, oh, he's so that's like, you know, yeah, that's Jason's Dustin. Then they had the black friend that got Vecna and that's their Lucas. <laughs> right. So uh, but when she so when she got free from the curly from the curly haired bully guy and she stands up and she's got her flashlight and she's like, crit hit and then smacks him unconscious. I just love that she yelled crit hit. And then it reminded me of like Game of Thrones when Sansa finally smacked the one annoying cousin dude and then that got turned into a gif of talk shit get hit yeah so it's you know it was you can't spell america without erica but now i think it should be erica talk shit get crit hit <laughs> right <laughs> weird to say <laughs> but since we're on erica and lucas let's also talk a little bit about max as well since they got those those three went their separate ways and hashtag mucus. I like mucus the best for that little coupleship. And Sadie and Caleb have said that they like that as well because it's the funniest. And I love that. So what did you think about Max's storyline for this? It's a continuation, obviously, of part one. But what did you think of how it all ended and played out? I had a feeling that it was going to come down to uh, the bait ploy. Right. I mean, they laid the groundwork for that pretty well. And while the, the season itself, and especially part two, you know, kept me on the edge of my seat at times, this was not one of the things that surprised me. However, I was really impressed with how they wrote that because, okay, let's face it, the trap thing, it's a trope. Mm -hmm. We've seen it before, and I'm sure we'll see it a million times more in the future because... Sure you know, it, it's just one of those things. Mm -hmm. But this was her, again, carrying forward from part one, where she's, she's dealing with trauma and abuse and the conflicting feelings that she's had on that subject, because, you know, we're all taught from a moral and ethical standpoint that hoping someone dies is not a nice thing to, to, to do and then when it actually happens you kind of feel like responsible for that right mm -hmm. so she's dealing with those feelings as well there's just so much wrapped up into that and I thought like her lure of Vecna in you know really explaining the complexity of her feelings and like really selling that like I'm literally ready to go now and this is why Mm -hmm. um you know Vecna bought it and uh, you know I'm glad that he did because obviously we needed him to but I also feel like it's a realistic you know take of the bait because I mean talk about if if trauma is what he's drawn to if that's like what his prey is like that was a wide open wound and mm -hmm. you know he made it worse too by portraying himself as Lucas this time rather than Billy and you know having Lucas appear to judge her that way and let's not forget that Caleb actually portrayed that scene mm -hmm. like he did awesome oh he did so good and as soon as he, he turned around Lucas like I'm just like oh my god and as soon as he turned around and started like questioning her is like oh you feel this way about me you had these thoughts about me I just want to start screaming at the tv like no it's you're you're he got it he 
took the bait. That's not Lucas. I know, right? But like, and I just thought she was tremendously brave. I mean, she had to know the odds. How many math geniuses do they have in their group? And and you know, by extension, other geniuses involved. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> she had to know the odds weren't good. But she also accepted that she couldn't keep living this way. That they needed to do something because nobody else could. Mm-hmm. And at least this way they had a shot. And, you know, she faced him down and for a while she led him on a chase, which I thought was really cool. Like it oh, shows yeah. just like just how strong she is. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was really cool, too. I loved how her plan to memory jump basically uh, worked for a bit, sort of, kind of. Yeah. So I you make a lot of really good points. And ugh. now, like you said, the whole bait thing, trap thing, total trope, understand kind of the need and, and the direction that the show went with that. It was done very well, but I didn't, I, I just, I didn't like Max being the bait. You, it makes a lot of sense. Everything you just said, that makes sense. It's a fresh open wound. Uh, right now, she's the only one there with that group that has that kind of trauma that at least anyone else is aware of at this point. And, but I just, I hated that it was her and the whole, how everything ended up playing out where her limbs still get snapped. She died for a full minute and then is brought back to life. It's like, I was a fucking sobbing blubbery mess during her tearful goodbyes or, you know, while Lucas is holding her and everything after she dropped. And that scene where Elle's in the veil, so she's with them, but they don't know that. And she's sobbing, and I'm sobbing, and everyone's sobbing, and then Elle brings her back to life. I'm just kind of like, I don't know that I like that. I don't like being emotionally (laughs) toyed with by my shows. And I feel like they put me through about five hours of emotional, (laughs) of being like so emotionally invested and tormented by just the Max character alone. And, but in overall, I also, I don't like that Elle can't find her now. Max is alive and she's in a coma, but Elle can't find her. The clock still struck the fourth chime because Max did technically die. I don't like any of that. So now I'm trying to decide which I hate more. (laughs) So I guess- Max dying or Max living, but then not being anywhere where Elle can find her. I guess that's where we differ a little bit. Well, and my, I, this, I come from no, strictly no, like no. personal and like emotional, like every, you make amazing valid points. It all makes sense to the story and to the characters and everything. And you're absolutely right. I right. just don't like it kind of Those thing. were the things that I liked about it that I mentioned earlier. Yeah. I didn't say what I didn't like about it. I wanted to hear what you had to say before I launched into that. <laughs> Well, I started with the negative. And- <laughs> so, right. So I like, this is so masochistic of me, but I like being emotionally toyed with with my TV shows. I like when they make me feel something. And it's not annoyance because, oh, this again? Right. Or like soap opera stairs? Or- oh, man. You <laughs> if we ever do a recording on Doctor Strange and the Multiverse, we're talking about soap opera stairs and why I hate them so much. But I digress. Like this 
this was emotional torture at its finest it really was it was great and i'm talking part one and part two like yeah. for max's character it was so great like i think it even did a better job than game of thrones did in terms of like just how gut-wrenching it was to have your one of your now favorite characters die mm -hmm. like don't get me wrong red wedding was shocking <laughs> Yeah. And it's it still is. It was a very like defining moment of television. But mm -hmm. like this hit harder. And it was just it was fantastic. But ob objectively speaking, you know, I totally get it. But personal feelings, mm -hmm. I didn't want Max to be made either. And yeah. I was like, well, Nancy could because Vecna got in her head. And then I was like, you know, because Nancy's such a badass, you could see her getting away with it, maybe. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, well, why doesn't he just go for Jason? Like, he's full on unhinged right now, which is probably what everyone hoped for. Yeah. Um, but so, of course, we're not going to get that. But, you know, OK. And then, you know, I had to say, OK, fine. They're going to do the max angle. OK. It's not like I didn't see this coming. All right, fine. But. As much as I love Max and as much as I want her to be around, because I never thought with her coming in later in the show that I would grow to love this character as much as I, I do. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I, I didn't exactly have the best childhood either. So I guess I kind of identified with her to, to some extent. And I don't know. Uh, she They should have they should have just let her die. Mm -hmm. I'm. This is a very controversial thing to say, and I'm sorry if it upsets or offends anyone, but brain dead in, in a hospital bed for who knows how long seems like such a worse fate to me. Mm -hmm. You couldn't let her go, so you're just going to let her be a husk. And I'm seriously hoping that there's some sort of, I don't know, uh, Reason, supernatural right? rescue of of max from like vecna's mind or something like that because you know it's stated by vecna himself but also dr brenner i refuse to call him papa Ugh. um that vecna consumes the people he kills like and he always says they're still with him so maybe she's still with him too and unlike the others you know her body is still relatively safe and whole mm -hmm. so maybe she can be restored to it but i just i'm hoping for that because any other alternative is nauseating to me mm -hmm. i can't stand seeing someone that way and like sure maybe the bones will heal the blindness probably won't but i just uh, i feel like it's worse yeah. And, you know, I've, I've read the complaint, too, about Eleven being able to restart her heart and whatnot. I wasn't surprised by that. I didn't think that that was, you know, like one of the Superman types. Let's just change his powers because it's convenient to us. Mm -hmm. They've always shown her manipulating electrical fields to some degree. So being able to restart a heart is within the possibilities of that. Hmm. So I bought that. But I was like, why are they doing this? Yeah. And then I thought, well, maybe I would find her when she entered her mind. You know, it, it, she'd just be like 
hard to reach, like there's a barrier there, but not finding her at all, that's, that's brain dead. I didn't need them to do an interview to confirm that. And I mm-hmm. was like, oh, I hate this. This is worse. You should have just let her die. Mm-hmm. But I'm assuming that the argument for not doing that is in keeping her somewhat alive, at least bodily anyway, that it somehow impeded the full invasion of the upside down into Hawkins. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, they got through, but they didn't quite get what they wanted. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I, with the L's power of bringing her back, I just, I just wasn't really sure. I, I didn't come, I don't completely dismiss it because we've never known L's full potential. And neither is she. And neither does she. And we are starting to see that, you know, after she regains her powers through the Nina project and she lifts the, the way she lifts the Nina tank with like no effort on her part whatsoever definitely shows oh and then obviously taking down the military with the <laughs> military with the with the military on military violence i mean come on you guys but that was fucking awesome and amazing cuz it did look like too she was just playing with that helicopter until she it decided like to she bring was it down just stretching her muscles for yeah. the, like the first time in a long time you know yeah. it was a little stiff it was exactly. a little stiff at first and a little awkward and then it just got smoother and smoother and smoother mm-hmm. so i ex- still was like second guessing herself and not sure of herself throughout that oh yeah final couple of episodes so i think season five is maybe what we're really in where we're really going to see what she's capable of for mm-hmm. better or worse because like she also can levitate she levitated in season two when she closed mm-hmm. the gate and you know we haven't seen her levitate since and season three she lost her powers by the time they had the big battle so she wasn't even the one that took down the mind flayer no she just wounded it a bit before yeah but yeah so i more or less accepted the possibility that l has the power of resurrection you make a a very good point about the manipulation of electrical currents and all of that and how that's within the realm of possibility. So, so I didn't have like a huge, huge problem with that. There was a little bit, I think my issue with it more was that they brought Max back. I think, I think it would have been more impactful had she, had she died, but I'm just like the way they just kind of dangled it in front of us with like episode four, and then made it a real thing. I was like, no, I can't take it. My heart. But and it's, it was, it's not like it was it's not like so they're good. averse to killing people. Yeah. I just I I'm sure they have a reason for you know going with that instead. And I'm sure it will be revealed to us in time. Mm-hmm. I hope that it's a good reason and it serves the story well and the character well. Mm-hmm. As long as that happens, then I'll accept it. And again, I'm going to remember the fact that the story isn't over yet. So, you know, I can't like permanently be mad at this until I have my conclusion, right? Fair enough. (laughs) But like, seriously, brain dead? Well, and technically they haven't, from what I've read, they haven't even started writing season five. Yeah, they Mm -hmm. have an idea of the overall story that they wanted to tell and how many seasons they wanted to tell it, but they haven't sat down to hash out the details yet. So maybe they'll incorporate 
you know, maybe they'll backtrack a little bit or maybe it'll still be brain damage. But then, yeah, supernatural forces happen and maybe Elle does end up finding her because maybe uh, Max is hidden away because we do see that she is mentally strong and that she held her own against Vecna for a good while until uh, Eleven could show up <laughs> the way she was like, I piggybacked from a pizza dough freezer. <laughs> I, I love that, that line. So adorable. <laughs> like you're only going to get that line if you watch the show. Otherwise, it's not going to make any sense. Exactly. But, you know, I kind of agree with you. Like the finality of it, if Max would have just died and we had to realize the full consequences of that, mm-hmm. I think that that would have had a very different impact. But as far as emotional torture goes, for me personally, as I said before, brain dead is worse. Yeah. Yeah, I really didn't like that. And see, that's why I kind of felt like maybe, you know, in my overthinking that I was preferring that Max be dead so that I didn't have to go through any more torment surrounding this character. Just let me mourn and move on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nope. I <laughs> And you know, I you know I'm a masochist when it comes to my shows and I love the emotional gut punch. But this was like this is emotional... like death by a thousand paper cuts? Kind of. Or just like an emotional kangaroo gut punch like four times. Like, oh, fuck, I can't take anymore. But it's so <sighs> good. And that's why, but that's why I love it so much. And that's why I love this show so much. And this last yeah. season. And that's just like the one emotional gut punch <sighs> that we've talked about so far. Yeah. Because honestly, this, this... This was a triple threat. This really was. So before we move on to our other characters, the only thing I want to say about Proud Boy Jason is goodbye, you fucker. And I wish I could have enjoyed your death a little bit more. But it was, and I did cheer yay, but it was through tears and snot. <laughs> you know what Max I said? just died. You know what I said when Jason died? <laughs> I'm so glad he was awake for that. You know, and I didn't realize that he was awake until I just until I finished rewatching it. And I was like, okay, well that gives some comfort <laughs> to me. <laughs> I I take a bit of joy in that. So I feel like I'm a very cruel person for saying something oh, like that though. A little but bit. That was the first thing that came out of my mouth. Not yay. I'm like, oh man, I'm glad he was awake for that. <laughs> I was just happy. I was like, good, he's dead, whatever. Because Did I want the satisfaction of him realizing how wrong and stupid he is first? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I'll take him fully realizing how much that hurt before yeah. his brain shut off. That's fine. But oh my God, that whole that like that whole fight between him and Lucas just so hard to watch. Broke uh-huh. my heart. I was really proud of Lu- Lucas. Got in some good hits, but overall, just oh, got his ass handed to him. But he he pushed back. He fought back. Yay, Jason's dead. Right. Thank God. I yeah. hope. I hope his it's the curly, little thing. I hope his curly haired little minion died too. I don't think Eric killed him. No, I don't think she killed him. But I hope maybe he got maybe sucked into one of the. I like to think um, she cracked his skull, though. That was quite the hit. That was. That was a crit hit. <laughs> you know it is because she said it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you announce it, it, it makes it happen, right? Exactly. <laughs> Maybe that's her announcing her special move like all the like anime characters yeah. do. Yeah. 
Crit, I, hit, boom. I, was, I was half expecting like an old Adam West Batman pow or something. <laughs> Ooh, that would have been cool. Um, but yeah, Erica proved even in that moment that she was quite the badass because honestly that was not a fair fight i did not think that was going to end well for her no i was super scared for her so uh, god these people are just fucking psychopaths oh and that's another like one of my best lines was when lucas does stand up to jason he's like i thought i wanted to be like you wanted to be normal and he says popular normal's just normal's a psychopath and i was like i love you i love you so much (laughs) i want to get that like tattooed and I don't think his fight against Jason was fair either. I mean, they're supposed to be freshmen. So they're supposed to be like 14, maybe 15 tops. And Jason's a senior. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a lot of physical development. You know, those teenage years are like, you grow the second most in, and develop the second most in your life in that short span. Mm-hmm. So like, that wasn't a fair fight either. No, absolutely not. But Lucas did. Lucas did his best. I thought he did a pretty good job. So, yeah. All right. So as we talk about heart wrenching, mm-hmm. make Jen cry, ugly cry face, snot face mess, and even got Timmy to sniffle a little bit. And I was like, oh, you big old softy. So what was for you was the saddest moment in part two or even maybe in all of season four? Uh, it is so hard to pick one. <laughs> is it's not fair because i am sad for max because she's in the state that she's in i probably would have been less sad if she died yeah you know but i can argue the same for eddie yes because he died without ever getting the opportunity to clear his name Mm -hmm. and who's gonna believe the handful of people that know the truth Mm -hmm. when the circumstances are so outlandish Mm -hmm. and there's a government actively trying to cover it all up as it's happening like who's gonna believe them nobody so he died a hero to the people he cared about which is you know the most important thing but everyone else thinks he's some kind of murderous cultist freak who's led a bunch of kids astray and killed a bunch of people and no no amount of insistence from his uncle or his friends is ever going to change people's minds on that. And that's mm-hmm. so sad. Mm-hmm. Like his death scene was sad enough. Like the poor guy just wanted to graduate high school and he didn't even get to do that. I know. Oh, I know. Yeah, that's really like when Dustin goes to Eddie's uncle at the end and tells him the truth and everything and goes on oh, about hurt. how. <laughs> oh, God. and And goes on about how. You know, Eddie did all, you know, put his life, you know, gave up his life and risked his life for a town that hates him. And it's just like, oh, my God, he was such a good kid. And, you know, he when they stole the (laughs) when they stole the camper, the RV or whatever. And I felt my heart broke for him in that moment, too, because he's like, well, you know, my dad showed me how to do all all these, you know, how to hotwire and all this and that. And. So he was going to try real hard not to grow up to be like that, to be like his dad. And now here he is being in a, put in a situation where he has to steal a vehicle and just kind of living up to that old Munson name. I felt so bad for him. I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, but this is, you're not just, you know, be, running around being a shit. Like you're trying to save the fucking world. I also love that they never explained who those people were. 
Who's yeah. Whose who's home they stole? <laughs> no, they didn't. But yeah, they stole a car and a house. And All you could argue that <laughs> they they left some people homeless. Absolutely. And that's not good. But if they hadn't saved the world, those people would be dead. Mm-hmm. And maybe some of them are, for all we know. I don't really know where all the fault lines are and who got impacted by them or by, like, rubble from it all happening or anything like that. Right. But, like, sometimes things are morally ambiguous like that. Mm-hmm. Is it right in isolation? No. But you can understand why they're doing it. Like, if you're going to have a good reason, it's probably a good reason. And no, those people aren't aware of it, so they're just angry. But, yep. you know, it is what it is. Yep. But yeah, you know, Eric mentioned in a side conversation about part one that he was certain that Eddie was going to die. And I didn't want it to be Eddie. Mm-hmm. No like, one wanted it so to be So much so that I blinded myself to the very real possibility. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, it hit harder than I thought it would when it happened because mm-hmm. I was in denial about it. <laughs> yeah. But man, what a way to go out. Fuck yes. Oh my God. I've told you and Eric, you know, because since finishing part two, I've done nothing but like go down a Stranger Things vortex of YouTube, TikTok, memes. Yeah, whatever. I know I've helped. <laughs> yeah, you're totally an enabler. Uh, <laughs> So I've I seen, wear that badge with pride. I've seen the I've seen the clip, his epic upside down concert, so many times, and every single time the Chrissy, this is for you, fucking kills me. Right? I, get, I love it so much, and I love that Jace or uh fuck, nope, not that asshole. I love that Eddie is really the only one trying to get any kind of like justice for Chrissy. He knows what's actually happened to her and what's going on. So for him to dedicate that to her and everything and help in his own way in such an epically metal way was just amazing. Like fuck Jason and his whole like, if she had a problem, she'd come to me. Probably not because look at you. Look at how you're fucking acting. So I, and I just love that in that short time that Eddie and Chrissy had together, there was a, there was a bit of a connection. I'm not saying a romantic or anything, but they got along. They worked past what their preconceived notions were of each other. And granted, yeah, she's there to buy drugs because she's being haunted by Vecna and everything, but they had nice, they had a tender moment, some nice moments in the, in the forest and everything. Right. And even like, Back at his trailer initially. So I just love that he never stopped thinking about her this whole time being Eddie the Banished and and running away. And this was his moment that was for her. And it's gonna make me cry if I think about it anymore. And, you know, then he tried to save Dustin by cutting the rope, Mm -hmm. the bedsheet rope. Oh, Dusty. (laughs) And and going back to keep the bats off and like him and Dustin together were so cute. They like, were seriously. so cute. I love how Dustin just has all these random dudes that are his dad now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dustin like, has my two dads. <laughs> yeah. But like, again, like trauma recognizes trauma, right? Mm-hmm. So Chrissy and Eddie had a trauma bond moment going on in the mm-hmm. forest. And we could talk about how that's like not necessarily the healthiest thing, but you know, 
it's also what they needed clearly mm-hmm. and eddie's had a shit life too and why is it always the characters with the shit lives that are getting their asses handed to them like why <laughs> well maybe they shouldn't have had shitty lives laura right right sure <laughs> oh that sounds like something from the joker um uh, anyway um <laughs> literally for another day <laughs> right but like okay yes all of these kids have been exposed to the, all the traumas and all the just crazy ass shit that that is happening in this town so they've all been hit right but like don't you feel like mike is still relatively naive compared to the rest of them i would say so i think the only thing he ever risked quote risked losing through four seasons has been l I, you know, because he cared. I think the last time he kind of gave a shit about Will was in season two when Will was being mind flayed. Right. I felt like Mike still had a bit more focus on Will over Eleven, but then season three, it was all about keeping hormones. Hormones, exactly. Mike and Lucas keeping their girlfriends who keep breaking up with them. I mean, Elle dumped his ass with the help of Max and. Like, which I get, you know, again, they're weaving in the normal teenage development stuff, mm-hmm. which is cool. But, okay, let's let's do a quick comparison here. Will is, is the one who got taken. He's, you know, he lives in a, a single parent household. They obviously don't have a lot of money or financial stability there. So, you know, not exactly the most privileged kid, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, Eleven, well, we all know her tortured existence. Yeah, she's got superpowers, but at what cost? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that, the look that you made at what cost? Like, oh, you poor thing. <laughs> uh, but, like, okay, then, you know, Lucas has his struggles, too. You could argue some of them are because he's a person of color, for all we know. I mean, it would be historically accurate, for sure. Mm-hmm. And then there's Dustin, who a single parent home has a disability, you know. So by comparison, you've got Nancy and Mike. They live in a stable home with a stable family. You know, their day to day prior to all this Hawkins madness was pretty boring mm-hmm. and pretty much privileged, you know. Oh yeah. And. Mike and Nancy both got exposed to, you know, a very rude awakening to just how bad the world could be uh, in terms of the supernatural, but also in terms of just general humanity, right? Mm-hmm. Nancy responded to that by you becoming know, a badass, like growing straight out up, the gate, getting, you know, gaining maturity, gaining perspective, and choosing to do something about it. Mm-hmm. You know, Mike. I feel like he became more selfish. Mm-hmm. It's like as Will is trying to hold on to his childhood and get the that kind of lost time and innocence back, like that I can understand. I, yeah. Know? That it's... makes sense to me. But mm-hmm. n- <laughs> nothing about Mike makes sense to me. But, you know, Mike is but... arguably the most privileged character. In the show, what has he contributed? I mean, Nancy has gone head to head with uh, 
Vecna, Mind Flayer. Sawed off shotgun. Sawed off shotgun. So, that was so badass. Just like marching up to him, putting herself in arm's way because, you know, she needs to be in range. Like, yeah, yep. she's a gun expert now. <laughs> Absolutely. And you know what? And fuck off, Jason. She didn't ask you for your fucking advice. She, the fucking Ugh. Nancy Wheeler we're talking about, she knows her way around firearms. She ain't scared to get up close, you and your fucking hand I cannon. I kind of wanted her to shoot shit. him, but I realized that would have derailed the plot line a bit. <laughs> yeah. Also, that whole, like, uh, army surplus and everyone panic buying, like, that was just a scary scene. I think it's just been a little... That one hit a little too close to real life. Yep. So I was like, I I didn't like it. You know what I mean, though? Mike is is an able-bodied white male growing up in a very middle-class arrangement by the looks of things. Mm -hmm. And he's the only boy in his family. You know he's the most privileged. Mm -hmm. And boy, does he act like it still after four seasons of this crazy shit. (laughs) It's okay to swear on this podcast, Laura. <laughs> but like, after four seasons of this, he's still that way? Like, yes. Wow, how stuck in the mud are you? Maybe he's more like his dad than I realized. Well, and that I was just going <laughs> to ask you, do you think that his growth is going to, because as we talked about in part one, like, you know, that Mike's not able to show emotion and affection for whatever reasons, and yet Nancy can. Do you think his arc and his growth is going to be that, he can say I love you to the woman, to the girl that he loves while she's uh, uh, present in this plane. <laughs> well, I guess maybe, but, you know, that's another like normal teenage development thing. But it was also like the most juvenile I've grown as a person yeah. moment as well. So but- do you think Mike exists to balance all the supernatural stuff, to bring that normal, boring teenage stuff to the to the table maybe, so to speak maybe to remind us that they are still just dumb kids even though so some of i them think are lucas geniuses. did a bit of that too absolutely so i don't so we know don't need mike no <laughs> but no if there's any justice in this show at all justice for benny <laughs> just in general if there's any justice in this show at all it is mike's turn to have something bad happen to him god i fucking agree that kid needs to suffer because everyone else has. Yes. In that core group, everyone Absolutely. else has. Dustin Lucas ha- got beat within an inch of his life and yep. lost his girlfriend and, you know, almost lost his friends for a bit there because he was torn. Yes. Um, you know, and he's had to deal with all of his friends' drama in a supportive way. Whereas Mike's never been supportive about that. So Lucas has been carrying an emotional burden for quite some time, generally speaking. Lucas has suffered. He has suffered enough. It is Mike's turn. Goddamn right. It's about time, you know. And like I said, it always seems to be the ones that are already going through hardship that end up getting hit worse. Mm -hmm. Like when Bob died in season two, you know, he talked about, he talked about all the, the, hard times in his childhood throughout the show as he yeah. was getting to know Jonathan and Wilmore and then gone. Mm-hmm. Hopper, we got to learn a lot more about his, uh, you know, motivations and the, the reasons why his life turned out the way it did. And you could argue that he brought a lot of that on himself, but like he's suffered. Mm-hmm. Like everyone has suffered except Mike. Exactly. It's Mike's turn. Spin yep. that bottle, lands on Mike, your turn. 
to just be in pain. So, yeah, because I had him on the outline simply as Mike still sucks. <laughs> so, and that is, is not even willing to try pineapple on pizza, even after his yes. girlfriend, who he loved so much, said, What are your thoughts? Tried on it and said, what, Please try it. What are your thoughts on pineapple on pizza? I like it. Do you like it on just like, are you kind of willy-nilly with it? Or are there certain specific toppings or style of no, pizza? No, like I've seen variations on pineapple pizza and pizza in general, especially with meat on it, where they use barbecue sauce as the base. Mm-hmm. I am not here for barbecue sauce on pizza. Like that's the hill I'm going to die on. <laughs> not the pineapple <laughs> one. <laughs> Fair enough. I've had I've had pineapple on pizza just a handful of times and it's been you know the whatever Hawaiian style pizza so the other toppings seem to go well with it and all kind of work so I feel like it's not something you can just go willy-nilly this is like the most bullshit Pisces answer ever I'm like I don't really love it or hate it (laughs) (laughs) well fair okay Uh, but like I had a, a Hawaiian version of pizza, you know, with the Canadian bacon and the pineapple ham. and all that. Yeah. But Fucking like, ham. it had diced jalapenos, like very finely diced jalapenos on there as well. Mm-hmm. That was a game changer. It was like, you had mm-hmm. spicy, you had sweet, you had sour, you had salty. It's all everything. All in one. I'm just like. Yay, this is good. I like this. I could eat this more often. You're like Sam I am after he finally tried green eggs and ham. Yeah. Sorry, I don't know where that fucking came from, but uh I want to backtrack a little bit. Uh what so Eddie played uh Master of Puppets mm-hmm. for his upside down concert. What song have you had a chance to think about what song you would pick for your bat signal? Oh, oh man. I'm really struggling with this. Okay, I, well, I am. Because I'm like, do you go with something that's badass, like lyrically, or are we just talking about guitar riffs here? It's hard because initially I was like, I was like, oh, I know my pick right away. Again, once again, going with a Foo Fighter song. I oh. knew you would. <laughs> once again, surprising no one, especially Laura. <laughs> But I was is thinking it still walk though, or no, it was, okay. No, it's uh, it's the song wind up because there's just like an amazing like part to it where he just he just winds up. So, but I started thinking about it like, okay, do I should I stick with more of like the metal genre? And then again, is it more about the lyrics, you know, lyrically speaking, or just the feel and the the energy of the music itself. So there was a Twitter thread where someone had asked what song they would pick. Bunch of different answers. I was scrolling through it earlier. So I was like, well, if I go more metal, what would I pick? Metal's more of Timmy's genre. So I'm really only familiar with like radio, like the radio hits and stuff. Yeah. But so I'm I'm going to cop out and I'm going to go with one of the more popular answers on that Twitter thread and just say Slayer, Raining Blood. I think it works both ways. Yeah. Um, that's I mean, it's it's a fair pick. It really is. Mm-hmm. Like it, There are a lot of great like guitar riffs you can choose from, and mm-hmm. you know, especially where metal and rock are concerned. 
So um, he picked up a uh, Prince song because he goes hard, you know, because Prince was well, a guitar he's god. an amazing guitarist. Yeah. So, you know, it's a bit of a sleeper pick, but absolutely. Like, if mm -hmm. you branched out a bit, totally. And that's where I was kind of, like, tripping up. Like, if you wanted to just pick an amazing guitarist, would you would you do, like, Jimi Hendrix or something? Yeah, exactly. Right? Or, like you know, other, other guitarists that you can just name drop because of their style, like Carlos Santana, for example. Mm -hmm. Like there's so much you could choose from, but I'm a sucker for good lyrics as well. Mm -hmm. So it's hard for me to move away from that sure. and just pick a song for instrumental reasons. Um, but when the Master of Puppets scene happened, like immediately after I'm like, that was a good choice. You know what other Metallica song would have been a good choice too? For whom the bell tolls because mm -hmm. of the because of the clock chiming. Yeah. Or even I even thought like, okay, if we're gonna go Metallica, what about right would ride the lightning have been a fair pick as well? You know, because you got that's like the red probably my favorite Metallica album too. I think it might ride be the lightning. Too. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good but one. I kept getting drawn back to Audio Slave. Hmm. So show me how to live is not like the biggest hit that they had when they formed or anything but it is like an emotionally powerful song and i think it would have fit the the moment really well the and the guitar in it is super aggressive as well so like from causing enough noise for distraction like that'd be cool um but then if i were to pick the song that's my favorite off of you know their debut album which is by far and away their best I would pick something like Like a Stone. I, it's a softer guitar piece, but there is a really good solo in the middle of it. But I liked it lyrically because, uh, you know, it's talking about being in your house and Vecna's lair it was his house. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, this fits, this fits, this is my song. Nice. So th I think that's what I would go with. Right on. Solid pick. All right, so... We will continue moving forward. We've just got a little bit left. Uh, we've got, which would you like to do up first? The Russian plot lines and Jopper and their matching outfits or <sighs> Will and Jonathan? Because um, we haven't really talked about, well, we haven't really talked a whole lot about the Will and Jonathan moments or really any of the moments with the teens. I think let's do Will and Jonathan because okay. we talked about it being the triple threat of sadness. And I, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I, I just don't think you get that triple threat of sadness with Jopper and their matching outfits. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> but I do have something to say about those later on. But let's end on a funny note. Okay. <laughs> um, but okay. So our our third point in the trifecta of of trauma is Will and Jonathan and Will's backseat speech to mike pep talk to mike i mean let's let's frame this a bit will's been in the background very sad about it very quiet about it but obviously very tortured the entire season but it really came to a culmination in that car scene mm -hmm. and you know it was very clear to me from the beginning that will's pep talk to Mike about L was as much about Will as it was about L. Like Will is so selfless that even then in that moment, he made it about 
Elle mm-hmm. on her behalf because she wasn't there mm-hmm. and about Mike feeling better. But, oh, he was talking about himself and and then to turning away and crying. How? How does Mike not hear that? How does he not see that body posture and the, the movements one tends to make when one is crying hard like that? Yeah. Like, how? I just don't get it. I mean, Jonathan could see it in the rear view mirror. Exactly. Jonathan and heard it. And he's I'm sure deprived. Argyle noticed while he was high. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm serious. I bet Argyle had more awareness in that moment than my kid. Like, how dense are you, you privileged little asshole? <laughs> <laughs> he's really fucking dense. That scene broke my heart like anytime will was on camera for part two i was ready to cry because <laughs> i'm just like i don't know where this is gonna go so i want to be prepared you look like that too though like he all the did. time yeah and then you know if that wasn't enough then him and jonathan have the heart to heart during the piggyback <laughs> pizza freezer and oh like will needed that and i think jonathan needed that too to get his shit together a little bit because he's been off the rails yeah and i think he realized in watching will in the rearview mirror that he hasn't been a very good brother lately yeah and you could argue that it's not fair to place so much burden on jonathan and maybe it isn't but it's part of being an older sibling it's part of the reality of it mm-hmm. especially when you're you're in a um, single parent home, yeah, you know. Well, and as like, we, yeah, <laughs> you, I'll let you finish. Sorry, it's okay. It's just like, while I can feel for for Jonathan, Will Will needed that, and mm-hmm. I'm glad that Jonathan stepped up because for those who listened to our part one episode, I was not very nice to Jonathan, and. You know, I want to apologize for that. Like, I was too harsh. I should have been more harsh on Mike. (laughs) (laughs) I accept the apology on on behalf of the listeners. No, I mean, but it really was a nice way to kind of also address that his character, the Jonathan's character, was not the Jonathan that we have seen in the first handful of seasons. He's definitely drifted. He's dealing, you know, poorly dealing with his own shit, as he basically says. But it's like, you know, whether we want to talk, you know, when you talk about whether or not that burden is on Jonathan or not or should be, older sibling or not, it's, as we talked about during our part one, it's, he's always, he's always felt that, you know, Mm -hmm. since, you know, the parents were fighting and through the divorce and everything. I mean, that's how he got how Jonathan got Will into the clash and into, you know, good music and everything, making him these mixtapes. So Jonathan has always been there to help protect and shield Will. And I think you're right in that moment, in that car ride, and he sees how hurt Will is, he's realized that he had fucked up and let you, Laura, down in that first (laughs) half of the season. But but really, like, I think that was a wake-up call for him to come back and have that nice moment. And the look on Will, Will's face during that of, you know, about to cry, I felt like 
he the the look on his face just kind of told me that he he really needed that he's been waiting for that whether it was from jonathan i think preferably from jonathan but he just needed someone to pay attention and to notice that things aren't okay and he kind of lit up a little bit in feeling that wow someone does fucking care my brother still does care oh yeah my brother's going through his own shit too okay and then when Jonathan's like, you can talk to me about anything and kind of lay in that foundation of anything, nothing will ever change how I feel about you being my brother. The way Will's face kind of lit up in that moment, I was like, first time watching it, I'm holding my breath. I'm like, how's he, is he going to come? Is this, gonna, is this going to be the moment? Is, is Will going to come out? And it didn't happen. And I guess that's okay. <laughs> but I feel like, Jonathan helped open the door, open the closet a little bit so Will can kind of peek out and make sure that it's safe and that maybe Jonathan's there or whomever. And knowing that he's got at least one person that he can open up to about anything. And it's just, it was such a great moment. And I think it speaks highly or speaks well to that Jonathan character. And again, kind of addressing his lackluster role in part one. Yeah, and bringing and it just, back around. But just when I was, you know, riding high on the Jonathan comeback, what did he do? He, he lied and lied to Nancy. Oh, he lied to him. Yes, and it's like Nancy, you're supposed to be a badass. You literally just shot someone with a sawed-off shotgun. Like seriously, maybe those wheelers aren't as good with their emotions as. <laughs> well, no. Did you? I loved, okay, I loved the little detail of, like, Joyce reuniting with Will and Jonathan, and it's all hugs, and, you know, I love you so much kind of thing, and I miss you so much, and I'm mm -hmm. so glad you're sort of okay, and all that, like, and both Nancy and Mike are just standing there, like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome, like, they were super awkward, and I'm just like, yeah, you guys have some issues, too. <laughs> yeah yeah oh those fucking wheeler kids yeah i didn't like i did not like that but i still do kind of like jancy jonathan and nancy i still hope nancy if she has yeah. to pick will ultimately pick herself me too and neither of those two but her conversation with steve during uh walking through the upside down woods i mean I'm just like, oh, you know, like, what if? Yeah, no, that was a good conversation. But maybe, maybe this is me projecting my own feelings on the subject of, like, this particular kind of ending. But, like, Steve being like, you know, I want my six little nuggets. I'm like, oh, he made a McDonald's reference. But <laughs> <laughs> Him and Robin's next job. <laughs> I want my, my, my six little nuggets and, you know, he's like, and you were there, you, you, you know, you're their mom. I'm... She was always part of that picture. At all? Do you, at what point in her life have you ever gone like, yeah, she wants to have six little nuggets too. Mm -hmm. And did that's you ask I... if, if, if that's what she envisioned? No. Like, oh, I just felt so cringy and like, like, okay, you can't really afford to like jump out of this vehicle right now, but like, you know, mentally, Run away! <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, I I loved his little his dream of raising six little nuggets because he's obviously talking about the kids because there are six there are six of them. (laughs) So I thought that was so I was like, of course you want six kids. You're kind of experienced. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I got the reference there for that, but I'm sorry. I first thought of a six pack of chicken nuggets. Of course you did. Of course you did. Everything's about food. Yep. But I, I did kind of feel that, you know, when he was like, oh, and, you know, you've always been there. You've always been in the picture and stuff. And I kind of for a moment had that a similar feeling of like, whatever gave you the impression that she wanted to do the big family thing? She's wants to be a journalist and she is still in high school. So we were incorrect uh, during part one. Yeah, I guess I'm surprised by that. I really thought she graduated. I yeah, I wasn't. I yeah, I I thought she was had graduated as well, but it, it makes sense too. So, but it wasn't super clear because we only saw her, not she really just, in school a lot. Yeah, she was working for the paper, so I just assumed that she graduated and she was working for a small town paper. That's what I thought too. Like not the other shitty. I was wrong. I'm sorry. Hawkins paper, <laughs> but but yeah, I. So that first split second I did think was kind of odd, but, you know, like Steve thinking that that's she would want that as well. But I also still thought it was kind of sweet. And then it also has me wondering, like, okay, so this these versions of Steve and Nancy, like, do I like that? I kind of (laughs) do. So do I, but only because like both Steve and Nancy seem like they're in a healthier place. I don't think Jonathan's there yet. No. Yeah, so I think maybe they'll break up and hopefully Nancy will just stay single or maybe Yeah, at the I honestly least feel like that's the best Steve. outcome right now. Yeah. You know, oh, I just yeah. do as much as I feel for Steve. I just I don't think that would be fair to Nancy for her to like give up her dreams cuz he has this dream of six nuggets. Mhm. <laughs> um but like, and that's where Jonathan kind of edges out because like, he never got in the way of Nancy's dreams of of right. Nancy's ambition of Nancy's initiative. But I don't feel like they're healthy for each other either. Yeah, I think they're definitely hitting a crossroads where Jonathan is torn about, you know, or was moving away from his brother and his mom after having been kind of a protector caretaker for those two for so many so many years even pre upside right down. that's part of his identity he yeah. probably doesn't know who he is without doing that but right. he also knows that will still needs him yeah so uh, rock in a hard place anyone well yeah especially if mom's gonna just take off to alaska to see the Britannica. <laughs> oh my god that's the worst <laughs> lie ever like from a d from a D perspective she must have rolled a nat 20 on that horrible <laughs> bluff because i can't believe they bought that <laughs> Oh, shit. I mean, good thing fucking Jonathan was high as fuck during that, because, yeah. Maybe that was the linchpin. Like, that's what brought her over the edge. Like, she didn't roll that well, but... But (laughs) But at least her oldest was high. Yeah. But, like, I don't know. I feel for Jonathan because, you know, he clearly doesn't know who he is outside of this role, and he doesn't know what the right thing to do is, and he wants to be there for his brother, and he still cares for Nancy. But I just, I feel like he needs to go find himself as much as Nancy needs to 
do the right thing for her, not for them, for her. Mm-hmm. So what about our favorite, super chatty, kind of klutzy, overall amazing Robin? You know I love her. I know you do. I, I love okay. her. I was okay. Say, okay. I had a moment of like, why? Why would you team up this way? <laughs> like, <laughs> we have to do an infiltration mission where we have to be stealthy and fast and not trip on anything. Like, okay, I'm going to throw myself under the bus here. But seriously, <laughs> would you take me on that mission? Hell no, you would not. <laughs> And no, it's not ableist to say that. That would be dumb. <laughs> Strictly strategic standpoint is what we're talking <laughs> coming from here. Like, yeah, I'd have tripped a long time ago. I'm surprised she made it as far as she did before the tentacles got them all. But I, like, I just <sighs> thought it was amazing. She gets, she's scared. She just runs off ahead and they let her go. <laughs> I know. They're just like, it's Steve, fine. Steve's I'm so like, ready to be a dad. <laughs> No, no, it's not fine. That's the biggest klutz in your group. And they even talk about how, and you know, Nancy's even like, yeah, she told me she took her longer to learn how to walk, which then led into Steve's whole like I can love confession. So, <laughs> but yeah, I just, I just need to reiterate that I love Robin and I love her crush, Vicky. And mm-hmm. her crush is so adorably, sweetly 16 Molly Ringwald. Oh, my God. She nails the Molly Ringwald look. I love it. We had Allie Sheedy from the Breakfast Club last or in the first half. And now we get Molly Ringwald. Yeah. Love it. It was a nice little nod. Like, I love the subtle ways they get all of those pop culture references in. Mm-hmm. But the bonding over peanut butter and jelly sandwiches was just adorable oh God. and just how awkward vicky got when she i know like, oh i was so God. happy about that i'm just like oh these two are perfect i i was steve in that moment you know steve's looking across the the name gen- proud gen- dad moment yep just kind of that <laughs> like he's happy for his friend <laughs> and she's i just not one of my nuggets she's the fries yes <laughs> <laughs> i like it Cause she's a little salty. It's very like flexible, you know, cause McDonald's fries are very bendy. <laughs> a little bit stringy. A little stringy. <laughs> oh, I like that. But yeah, yep. I, I love Robin. I don't feel like we got a whole heck of a lot of Robin in these last two episodes and that's no, okay. But like everyone kind of has their moment, you know? Yeah. And I feel like she had a lot of good ones in part one and yeah. you know, it tied back around eventually in part two, but yeah, like it's a miracle. It's a miracle she didn't trip on the way there. Or was it a miracle? Ah. ah. <laughs> <laughs> that one was Timmy's. I have to give credit where credit is due. So fair enough. If we're done with the teens, let's move on to the grown ups in russia if we have to if we have to how did you feel the russian plot line kind of wrapped up uh because you weren't i I don't think it was really a lot of people's favorite storyline plot line for this season it's it was a necessary evil i guess but what were your overall thoughts with how that all kind of came to be and how the adults got back to america 
Well, I mean, we learned a horrible fact about the particles reanimating all the monsters. I mean, that's that's just great. That's fucking terrible. I wonder if that'll happen to Eddie's body, too. Stop! <laughs> Sorry! <laughs> no! ending on a funny note come on <laughs> okay so but in terms of like adding to your lore of the the upside down there's a little piece of it that i'm sure is going to come back to haunt us later in some shape or form let's just hope it's not the worst case scenario i just thought of <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but outside of that the unscripted kiss felt like a good moment like it felt natural it, you know, it was like one of those, oh, finally, they got it over with type mm-hmm. thing. And, you know, having a little like Joyce Pervin on Hopper's new fit look, but also like horrified at all of the bruises and scars and whatnot mm-hmm. was pretty fun, too. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The matching outfits, they looked like bomb pops. They did. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, could they have been in brighter colors? <laughs> Why bomb pops? I don't know. It's whatever. It's whatever the great peanut butter smuggler was smuggling. Hey, I fully appreciate the smuggling of peanut butter. Peanut butter is like one of my favorite things in the world. So I get that. But the bomb pops? No. (laughs) Overrated. But someone pointed out in a meme that they've had matching outfits every season. And I did not notice that. And I noticed a lot of things. Mm -hmm. I did not notice that. Like, I mean, it was hard not to notice the bomb pop outfits, but every other season as well. It's like, wow, they really were like oblivious to each other's feelings for quite a long time. (laughs) It all made sense in, in, in the past seasons. You know, season one, they're both wearing like the hazmat suits to go into the upside down looking for Will. And I guess I know. And I guess the upside down's not radioactive anymore or was, but whatever. You know, and then season two, they've got them in the picture they used was both of them in the hospital gear, the scrubs. Yeah. But it's like Bob was also in scrubs until he wasn't. Hmm, Bob. <laughs> Sorry, Bob Newby superhero. That's still a really hard death scene to watch. It's really fucking sad. Yeah, it is. You know, and then in season three, yeah, it was the sneaking into uh into the Russian sneaking around the Russian fingerdinger. Hawkins. Yeah, I I get that there line. were practical reasons for it. It's just funny. But see, like... and I think that's why I don't know. I think maybe that's why I didn't notice is because one, I never had a nice collage to put them all together. But yeah, two, thank the, you to whoever did that. Yay! I love my inner. I love fellow internet nerds. But it, it they just all made sense. You they know, do. It, it never felt like a moment where it was like cheesy or like kind of campy, like putting two characters a will they won't they is ish relationship and then always having them in the same clothes yeah you're right it didn't feel like that i'm just making it feel like that yeah hindsight you're you're just disappointed in yourself that you didn't notice it and you notice like all the little things i am disappointed in myself (laughs) i'm a little disappointed in you too Uh (laughs) you're always there for me yep (laughs) but i uh i appreciated the gratuitous shirtless swole hopper moment 
I thought that was a nice gift for a lot of us. So thank you, David Harbour, for doing that. Don't you mean it was a nice gif? Peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Peanut butter and swole hopper. Mm. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's a good source of protein. <laughs> Peanut butter, not hopper. <laughs> I'm terrible. Oh, that was great. I loved it. (laughs) Oh, shit. Okay. All right. So before we continue to perv on Swole Hopper, (laughs) I, uh, it was, I mean, it it was what it was. You know, we we do see that the uh, Russians are up to some fucking shady ass shit. They've got the particles, the part, part part of the mind flare or what have you. They had a Demogorgon strapped to a table that yeah. hop shot in the, in its face. Close Did you range. feel sorry for it? Not well. I think maybe a little bit, only in the sense that you know it's strapped to. Anytime you see a person or a thing in a situation like that, you know it's obviously against their will, and yeah. they're in pain and they do not like it. So. In I guess in that very bare base, you know what? No, <laughs> I felt like I'm trying too hard right there. Yeah, yeah, you are. It's fine. <laughs> so no, did you? I was like, is that one of the ones that ate Bob? <laughs> I think those. Well, although, well, yeah, because they picked up. They probably yeah. I don't know. That was that was what I thought, and then I'm like, "Oh, he's gonna shoot it." Okay, I guess that's the kind thing to do, or is did he do it just because he didn't want to listen to it anymore? Maybe I don't a know. Both, probably a bit of both. But man, what the heck were they doing? I don't know. That's a lot of not okay, at all. Okay, fine. On a base level, that creature is what it is, and torturing it isn't gonna change that. Right. And it, you know, it doesn't make it right either. Like you know kill the thing but like also what the fuck were you doing exactly so we still don't really know what maybe the they Russians were trying are up to cure cancer with it i don't know i am making a face <laughs> like well seriously what were they hoping to gain out of that just some kind of upper hand who knows you know we've got 80s villainous soviet union oh but think 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 big picture here okay if they're curing cancer with this experiment right that means that they can nuke everybody else and still be fine oh shit relatively speaking relatively speaking (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i have no clue what what the what these uh russians are up to but I don't like it. I don't trust it. I mean, you could argue they were just being stupid. I think they were. I think I even wrote that. (laughs) Stupid (laughs) fucking Russians. Like, what are you doing? And then it's like, you know, the, yeah. So then they hop and gang. They finally break out of prison, out of the super secure prison because there's a Demogorgon on the loose. And then they get back to the, to where uh, Yuri's, kind of high or uh, stash houses or whatever and where he's got his uh katinka helicopter and that whole like analogy and everything and he's like my woman make noise 
face. That's how you know she's happy or whatever. It was hilarious. Uh, but then they realize that they have to go back into the prison. And so yeah. I kind of rolled my eyes at that just a little bit. But I mean, I saw that coming. Now, I actually was going to go so far as to say, like, they went in, they'd go into the upside down and like fast travel back yeah. to Hawkins. Yeah. So, you know, the plane part that that threw me a little bit. I'm like, oh, all right, I guess we won't do fast travel. No, not the video game. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> no Super Mario tunnels. Fine. No warp whistles. Fine. But so, yeah, I was like, oh, OK, you have to go back. I just kept thinking of like the uh, gift from Lost with Jack. Yeah, like we have to go back to that mystery island. But I did, but I was like, well, at least, you know, because there's still a loose Demogorgon, you figure everyone's going to be dead now. So it's not going to be as hard getting back in. And clearly it wasn't. Still not sure why they went the route of the sewer when Hop could hear all the gunfire and screaming, but that's all right. They needed to dirty up those Bomb Pop outfits anyways, because they were a little too bright and noticeable. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the, um, him using, Popper using himself as bait to attract one of the demagogues. I'm like, demodogs, like, you guys please stop <laughs> doing that. <laughs> Putting your lives in peril. And I know. Uh, Murray with, Murray as the grill master with the flamethrower. I love that they brought in a flamethrower. It's like, yes. So awesome. And then uh, Joyce, I loved this moment with Joyce where she's watching everything on the monitors you know she's the jailer she's supposed to close the gates once uh hopper lures all the demodogs and the last demogorgon into the pit or whatever or into the arena cell arena yeah. and she sees all those cattle prods sitting up and i love this moment because she's like no more fuck off not fucking planning another goddamn funeral. I'm not missing another goddamn date. This man has thought of nothing but carbs and me in that order <laughs> for a year. <laughs> She's like, I want my breadsticks and hopper. And I fucking loved that. Go Joyce. You're sick of I Good job. Yeah. She's always been a bit that way though. Uh oh, absolutely. But she's had enough. She's had enough. And yeah. you're gonna know about it. My favorite moment from all that was the sword. Yes, the Conan sword. That was an epic sword, and it just happened to be there. Well, because Man. well, because the, the Russians had brought in weapons for the prisoners to use when they realized that the Demogorgon was killing them too quickly. Yeah, but how did they get that sword? How'd they get Conan's sword? Yeah. Because <sighs> that sword is magnificent. <laughs> They stole it. I don't know. But it was so funny because in that Ooh, moment. Does that imply that they, they like fed him? Yes. To the, he <laughs> lost. Conan the Barbarian meets his end. <laughs> but it was so funny because in that moment, I think Tim said, like, oh, like sweet Conan sword. I thought he was using it as just like a general descriptor of large <laughs> battle swords. So it wasn't until I saw, like, read the thing about how they got the Conan sword or whatever, or replica at least, uh, for the for the episode. And I was reading that to Tim, and he's like, I fucking said that. I was like, I thought you were just being, like, vague in general. <laughs> <laughs> All swords are Conan swords. Exactly. <laughs> So, Unless they're the Conan sword. So yeah, that was a very cool moment. And then yeah, Murray with the 
with the flamethrower, torching all the demodogs and the demogorgon and giving the kids the upper hand. And I love that the grownups just went right into like, they, they realize all the kids are together. Joyce's kids are involved, surprising fucking no one. Right. And they immediately decide that, okay, well, until we can leave, let's, what can we do on this side, on our end to help? Because obviously there is some shit going down. They don't know what's going down. They, they know like nothing. And they're just like, yep, yeah, fuck it. We'll just go and we'll torch as many of them as we can. It's a hive mind. It'll hurt it. And la di da Yeah, I know. I know. They served a purpose. <laughs> It served a purpose. It was, it, it wasn't the most exciting plot line of this season. It definitely had some cool moments, you know, like just anytime they had to fight Demogorgons, it was still v- done very well, very yeah. kind of exciting and thrilling and all of that good stuff. But I'm not saying it wasn't entertaining It just, it wasn't where I wanted to be. Yeah, no, I understand. I get you. You know, because then after all that happens, you know, uh, Hop has already made contact with uh, the one lady that works with Dr. Owens and works somehow to get them all back to the, to the United States. I assume that includes Enzo and Yuri, the great peanut butter smuggler, hmm. who finally did the right thing. And and yeah, and so we didn't we don't have to see any of that part. But I'm just like, y'all couldn't have just like fast tracked that or just a bit. <laughs> but I was happy, you know, I'm happy for Jopper after a couple of seasons. It's like, yay. Yeah, me too. Although I honestly felt more emotion with Hopper and Eleven's mm-hmm. uh, reunion. She kept the door open three inches. I was about to I know, I, I saw that cried. and I was like, oh. <laughs> can't tell you how many times I almost cried watching these last I'd like messaged you I was like if I drank every time I almost cried it's like I would probably be dead <laughs> wow yeah <laughs> it was a lot so <sighs> yeah, it, it was like like we mentioned earlier it was uh, emotional torture at its finest at for its sure. finest oh it was so good okay yes oh what did you think of the end scene of the show with the dead flowers and the the ominous dark cloud with the thunder and the red lightning i liked it i thought it was cool i think it helps kind of set up that there's something you know really fucking epic that's going to go down in season five i can't help but wonder how many people decided to stay in hawkins after that clearly well we saw them all like booking it out of there when the pizza truck or van was going in so yeah but you figure okay so the wheelers have stayed and then all the other kids parents have stayed as well the teens included because they're all still there so did they just happen to live in areas where these these quote earthquakes didn't happen i don't know i i really don't know and i also wonder like how many died yeah but so I got the impression with Will touching his neck that season five, he's going to be front and center again. Like obviously Eleven is going to play her very primary role too, because she's Vecna's nemesis and Vecna escaped. You know, they did the Mm -hmm. trope of falling out the window and then not being there the next time you look Mm -hmm. kind of thing. 
Um, <laughs> fine, whatever. <laughs> Didn't like that, but I expected it. Fine. They did the nod to all the Halloween movies with that. Mm-hmm. Fine. There was a lot of uh, alien references in these last two episodes as well. So I you thought mean that all was the cool. tentacles, the black wet tentacles. Well, there was that, but then also uh, some dialogue just straight up taken from uh, the movie. And I'm not okay. as familiar yeah. with uh, the Alien franchise as I am like other ones. So everything I know about that, I all I got all from IMDb. But there were some. Uh, one of the Russian guards has a line that's almost word for word a line from Aliens. That's something I didn't know because I watched those when I was a kid. And apparently they disagreed with me because I've never touched them again. <laughs> but, you know, they do make a lot of nods to horror and sci-fi throughout the series. So, of course, the bad guy's going to get away. But, like, there's a theory that the final boss is actually going to be, uh, like, Hydra-like Red Dragon because that's what what uh, Will painted. And, you know, since he was in the Upside Down, he would know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, or it could be the Mind Flayer again. But then there's the theory that the Mind Flayer is a construct of Vecna's mm-hmm. and Vecna really is you know the big boss endgame kind mm-hmm. of thing which I um, kind of like that one I can see that one a lot but then I came up with you know oh dear <laughs> children of the mind flayer right and like Will's gonna be the the final boss mm. I'm like, I don't, oh, like, I don't like that <laughs> Why did I do that to myself? And now everyone else, mwahaha. <laughs> That's a dick move, Laura. <laughs> well, I think I sent you the you guys the fan art of uh, Will being like half Vecna'd, like and not like the wide eyes and floating Vecna, but like with the the Vecna look that he's turning tentacle. into an upside yes. down resident. Yes. So I didn't like that either. It's very good artwork, but I'm just like, no, my heart. Uh, yeah, I, I don't really have a whole lot of theories. I keep, I, I'm doing that thing where I'm reading too much of all the things right now, which I love, but it's at the same time, like they're, the fans are really creative in some of the theories that they come up with. So as much as I love reading them and being like, yeah, that's a good one, or I want that one to happen. They're almost too creative, and it's, Maybe, so then it's yeah. it's it, they end up not happening in the series for you know probably more reasons than just a fan came up with it. But it, it's there's always a little bit of disappointment when I watch something and I'm like a, a widely accepted fan theory did not get incorporated <laughs> into the the end product. Yeah, so I guess I'm I'm not really gonna like prescribe to any of them because I think they're cool but mm-hmm. ultimately it it's going to be whatever it is yeah. and I just hope it's cool um see I just get, but like, I get wrapped up in it Ugh. my question is what if the mind flayer is not a construct of Vecna's what is its reasoning for wanting to be out of the upside down hmm. having a lot of new brains to get into I don't know world like, domination that, but that's more Vecna. Vecna wants to create, recreate the world into something better. His version of better, which apparently is really squelchy. But... <laughs> Moistly. 
undulating. <laughs> um, but you know, like, what's the Mind Flayers end game here? What does it want? Like, does it just want six nuggets as well? <laughs> <laughs> See, now I keep thinking about, you keep saying six nuggets, but now, I, now I'm thinking about Taco John's six pack and a pound. <laughs> six tacos and a pound of their like Flesh. little hash brown. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're the worst. <laughs> Gross. But now I want tacos. Surprising no one once again. Yeah, I, I'm just excited for season five. I can't wait to be super tense and probably be like, well done tense. <laughs> just not moving at all for like episodes. I I, I wouldn't mind Elle dying. <laughs> I love Elle, but out of all the other kids, that's fine. <laughs> like presuming they triumph in the end, how is she going to adjust to normal life? Because that did not work in California now, did it? No, but if they stay, if they, if they stay in the cabin, you know, cause they're back at Hop's busted ass cabin. I love how they're all like, oh, look at this place. Let's it's a shithole. No, they're like, oh, this place is such a shithole. Uh, that's how y'all left it. Remember? Right. The, <laughs> like that was all your guys' fault. <laughs> they're kids. They're kids. They're stupid. <laughs> okay. Kids. But you're right. Like, I'm fine if Max ends up dying. Yeah. Like. Maybe they're just keeping her alive long enough to win, and then she dies, and that's that. I don't know. I don't know. But I really don't like someone being left brain dead, so you know how I feel about that. Yeah. I think at this point, like, if Mike died, I wouldn't care. Mm -hmm. Except for, you know, Will and, and Eleven would both be very hurt, plus, you know, so would his family, I assume. Probably Nancy a bit. Not his dad. <laughs> Ted. Um, I love Ted. You know, I, I just, I don't want Lucas to die. I don't want Dustin to die. I feel like they've suffered enough. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't want Max to die either, except she's in the state she's in. See, I feel like there's something, it's going to come down to, there's going to be some sort of big culmination point between Mike, Will, and L. Yeah. And maybe Mike being in a position to have to choose, you know, kind of one of those like jokery things like, oh, you can only save one of them. Ha ha. Or uh, Will has to choose to save either Mike or Eleven. Yeah. Someone's going to make a, someone's going to be put in a, an impossibly difficult position of choosing two people that they care about immensely. And then one of those people, Elle, is going to sacrifice herself. I hope Mike sacrifices himself. He's honestly. not going to, that, that would be the biggest fucking character arc, like leap. Now all of a sudden he's going to do like the ultimate selfless thing. He's not going to do that. He's too like, I want, he's not going to do it. <laughs> I know, but that's why Please I want him to do me. it because God damn it. <laughs> Do something. Although, you know, he was in season one, he was willing to jump off the cliff to save Dustin. And he did. He did actually literally jump off the cliff. He did not oh. know Elle was there to save him. Yeah, that's a good point. So, what happened to that, Mike? See, maybe he'll come back. He got horny. I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
So I can't wait. I don't want to wish any time away, but 2024 cannot get here any faster. So I'm excited. And I will hopefully it all be released, you know, knock on wood, no more quarantines to delay my programs. Mm -hmm. And they can the just... show never finishes because the world sucks. Oh, my God. I will burn everything to the ground. I will rip a giant fucking X through town. I don't care. Yeah. And in tribute to the shows we never get to finish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's my breaking. That's my villain, villain origin story. <laughs> someone ended your your like circumstances beyond control ended your series that you love so much yep, yep ex that's exactly. your villain origin story i could totally buy that <laughs> oh i love it so all right well we'll go ahead and start wrapping this up uh let's go ahead and just move on to stray bubbles so last chance to bring up anything that you didn't get a chance to earlier there was something you mentioned you were going to come back to so uh, if you remember what that was, if you want to bring that up now. That was anyway. just the bomb pop. Oh, thing. okay. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. But, you know, I don't think we uh, called this out explicitly, but Dustin's performance or the actor's performance, I should say. Yeah. In this final scene with Eddie was so hard to watch because it was just tearing me apart. It's so heartbreaking. Like, it was, yeah, and, you know, Dustin trying to come back and save Eddie. Oh, yeah. When he's so brittle. Mm -hmm. Like, as soon as he fell out of the the gate, mm -hmm. I was like, oh, you are not going to get there, honey. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, it was so sad. And, yeah, he does, yeah, that actor, uh, Gatton, Gatton, superb. Does an amazing mm -hmm. job. And fun fact, that scene Eddie's death scene in Dustin's arms. Oh, God, that was so sad to say. Uh, they were filmed separately. So they filmed Eddie's part and then went back later and then filmed Dustin's part. Oh, I so didn't know they, that. Yeah, so oh. I, I was watching part of my, <laughs> you know, getting sucked down into the rabbit hole as I watched a little interview with uh, Joseph Quinn and how he talked about that. So I was like, no way. That's <laughs> acting. <laughs> yeah. Those kids can act. I'll give them that. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's see. I'll go ahead and just kind of hit up some of my stray bubbles. There are a lot, but uh, the moment where Eddie is like, this is music. And he ho holds yeah. up the cassette of uh, Iron Maiden, who also this has their is music. And yes, their mascot. Is, yes, it is. And their mascot is a skeleton named Eddie. So I thought that was really cute. Oh. And it was also so, super funny because I didn't see the cover. I couldn't read like the name and I didn't get a good clear shot of it. And I turned to Timmy and I was like, oh, I was like, oh, was that like Megadeth or something? He was like, Iron Maiden. And I was like, yep. And he just starts laughing. I'm like, <laughs> you would know better. I'm not going to argue with you over this. <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, yeah, the whole Stranger Things trope of people getting in the backseat and then screaming at the driver to drive is one of my favorite things ever. It's up there with uh, Karen Wheeler's Hairvolution. <laughs> and, uh, again, we have some very nice Red Dawn looks once the teens make it into the Upside Down. And it's Robin, Nancy, and Steve. And Nancy is... Like 100% Jennifer Grey looking. Oh, totally. I mean, especially in that shot. All three of them just look straight out of fucking Red Dawn. I loved it so much. 
Joyce's kids are with them, surprising no one is what I wrote. Because mm -hmm. the, they did not look surprised at all. When they show up to the Nevada um, Surf's Up pizza place and they convince the other uh, pizza worker to leave because they give them some purple palm tree delight. I was like, hi, friends in low places. That's what I've been saying all these years. Um, I appreciated Steve's thank you to Nancy for giving him the thunk on his head. And I, too, agree. Thank you, Nancy, for thunking him on in the head so he can finally start crawling forward and become the great dad to six nuggets. Oh, of course, as they're heading back, as the adults are heading back into the Russian prison, uh, Murray has a very Star Wars feeling about all of it. Yeah, they had to do that. You they know, had they, they I think they've done it like every season. I know. So they have to keep it going. Yeah. I also have to give mad props to uh, Team Mucus and Erica and really all the kids because they were super organized with their little blue bug zapper lanterns. I love the bug zappers. And the Sharpies so they could write notes. And all the flashlights, like, they really knew what they needed to get from that army surplus store. I want to know what batteries they were using. <laughs> Big ones. Jesus. Were they, were they Duracell or Energizer? <laughs> oh, you know they were Energizer. Oh, yeah. Just I wish Eddie would have run that one time. It's okay to run. Oh, and I really liked when Eddie decided that he wasn't going to run away. He was done. Uh, he, he was already starting to buy more time, and he was bicycling away, and he got knocked off the bike by the demo bats. And he starts having those flashes of, you know, I, I ran, that's what I do. I just froze and ran. And so he decides at this moment, he's not going to run anymore. And the way that he kind of stood there with his, with the spear and his little trash can with nails in it, shield, I got some like Lord of the Rings, you shall not pass vibes just from that quick shot with all the bats and like the red coloring and everything. There was yeah. something very like, you shall not pass about it. And lucky for him that the bats only flew into the shield and not like his legs or his torso. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, they no, they eventually got their way, unfortunately. Yeah, I know. But again, and these are those little things that I might pick at, but I'm gonna forever love this show so you know what another good matter. song would have been hmm. like bad out of hell meatloaf yeah that would have been hilarious like totally on the nose <laughs> uh i feel like there's a lot of like acdc songs that would work too so i just had a thought about mike being the heart you know as will tells him like twice like is it like captain planet where like all the others are better <laughs> but like heart ties it all together <sighs> captain planet didn't have a heart he'd be like an unstoppable evil force of nature <laughs> maybe but i just it makes me so sad for will that he thinks that mike is the heart of their group i know i'm like, like biased you, much i'm like you are so blinded by love you poor sweet summer child yeah poor thing <laughs> i love him i but i'm really looking forward to finding out why will was taken in the first place Yes, because I think they've said that they're going to explain what the Upside Down is, and I think why Will was chosen, uh, and all, and kind of hope, really, really hope they fill in a lot of those, answer a lot of those questions and don't leave us with more questions that yeah. are annoyingly unanswerable. It's fine to leave things open-ended to interpretation. Right. 
but don't leave me with more questions than I started with. Otherwise, I'm going to get real mad. So. All right. I think, please, for the love of God, I think that's all I have to get out. I've been holding this shit in for like a week. I know. You've <laughs> Sounds, done really well. I've done pretty good. So uh, we will go ahead and move on to the Six Degrees of Nicolas Cage, the Stranger Things edition. So. Oh, are there any left after all the ones you said? I got two more. <laughs> no way. I did. Well, that's a lot more than my zero. So please <laughs> enlighten me. Uh, all right. Fine. So this time I went, because uh, last time I took uh, David Harbour and the actor that plays Ted. Yeah. So this time I, I stuck to another grown up and I went with Winona Ryder. And this one's pretty easy. She was in Mermaids with Cher, uh, played Cher's daughter along with a little, little itty bitty Christina Ricci. And Cher was, of course, in Moonstruck with Nicolas Cage. Oh, that one's actually, yeah, pretty straightforward. Well, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then for the second one, I decided to take one of the kids, one of my MVPs of this season, Caleb McLaughlin. So I was like, I, I was a little hesitant to do one of, to take, start with one of the kids because I was like, oh, they're so young. Like, that's going to take, a, I might be pushing it with six steps. Six nuggets. Six nuggets. Six pack and a pound. Purple palm tree delight. <laughs> that wasn't that funny. I'm really sorry. Uh, so Caleb McLaughlin. Six nuggets of Nicholas Cage. <laughs> oh, what would your six? Okay, anyways. Stay focused. All right. So Caleb McLaughlin was in the movie Concrete Cowboys uh, with Method Man. And Method Man was in Gone in 60 Seconds with Nicolas Cage. What? <laughs> so I'm really proud of myself that through one of the the kids, I got to a Nick flick in less than six steps. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. That was pretty impressive. I just, I couldn't stop giggling when I saw that one. <laughs> such a dork well woo doggies we did it we got through it this has been a lot of fun i'm so glad to finally get this all out it's very cathartic it's like therapy i might need more it is a bit because i i love this show it's been really hard not to go back and rewatch the entire series again because i just finished rewatching the entire series not that long ago but uh Actually, I am rewatching the series with Ross. <laughs> I know. I was going to say, you, you didn't stop yourself at all. I really didn't. Well, the oldest, he stopped at season, halfway through season three. So a few weeks ago, we picked back up, but now he's at grandpa's house. And so I told him he's not allowed to watch without me because I need to be there to hold my baby when the sad bits happen. Right. Yeah, he's going to need that. I am curious, though, like what he'll think is saddest. Well, right now, so we just, we're still in part one. Uh, he doesn't trust the overly friendly orderly. So he doesn't trust Henry Vecna one, which I love that it sounds like a military call sign. Henry Vecna one. Sorry. It does. Uh, but yeah, so he knows there's, there's something sus about the orderly about Henry, even though that hasn't been revealed to him yet. Uh, he got really giggly at the whole comment about Steve's hairy chest. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's still just an 11 year old kid. So <laughs> I know it's great. Such innocence. Such innocence. So, 
it'll be so I, I can't wait. And it's like ever since he finished watching season three, he's had the never ending story theme song in his oh, uh, no. in his head. But only he only likes the Dusty and Dusty Bun and Susie version. Uh, so we watched the movie the other day because if I had to go through that pain and suffering, then so do they. That's good parenting. That is good. I thought so. So um, we'll go ahead and just wrap this up. We won't do a what's streaming in your bubble because I think it's just been Stranger Things. But mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> so but thank you, Laura, for joining me today. And thank you, nerds, for listening. It's just the facts. Just the facts. I just I love Erica and her just the facts. <laughs> mm-hmm. So but yeah, so thank you everyone and keep streaming. Bye. Bye. If you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to let me know by rating and reviewing wherever you get your podcast fix. Follow me on Twitter at Streaming Bubble. Find me on Facebook and Instagram as my streaming bubble. Have thoughts, suggestions, questions, or want to be tolerated? Email me at mystreamingbubble at gmail.com. If you want to show your love and support for this little old podcast in monetary form, search My Streaming Bubble over at buymeacoffee.com and buy me a cheese wedge. And if you want to take that love and support to the next level, head over to Redbubble where you can find and purchase My Streaming Bubble merch. All monetary support goes right back into this podcast from new recording equipment to night cheese. Thanks for your support and keep streaming.